It's the Pikey and Lout Show, Talking Taipans. Chris Pike and Alex Loughton come to you with everything that is 100% Taipans. Let's go. It's Talking Taipans. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pikey and Lout Show. We're here talking Taipans. And boy, we're exactly where we hoped we would be in a lot of ways. Lau's now coming into the second week of the semi-final series. We've got two series that are tied at one game apiece. We've got a massive Thursday night to prepare for with two game threes. Obviously, the one we're focused on is the Cairns Taipans and the Perth Wildcats. But boy, is there some drama on the other side of the table as well with the Sydney Kings and Melbourne United. There's plenty of things happening off the court in the NBL as well for us to dissect. So... Things certainly don't quieten down, even if we only have four teams alive in the NBL still right now. So that's not waste any more time. I'm Chris Pike, but the man you all want to hear from and pick his brains, Alex Loughton. Thanks for joining me once more. Pikey, uh, I hate to be a broken record, but uh, in terms of the Taipans Wildcat series, did I did I sort of call it already? Or I mean, like, Absolutely. is am I pretty close? I mean, I I didn't I thought it was going to go to game three. I didn't think game one would go their way. Lo and behold, game one didn't go our way, um, and then they they fought back valiantly and back in Perth. I mean, there's there's so much going on. I just the Melbourne Sydney thing is just bizarre. Mm. I cannot, mm. uh, you know, that's outside the realm of of a um, what you'd predict by by a long shot. Mm. Um, and also the off-court shenanigans in amongst all the biggest announcement from the NBL, um, you know, all, all happening in within one day. It's just yeah, unbelievable. 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 Incredible. <laughs> See, incredible. <laughs> this episode of the Pikey and Lau Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Staten's Plumbing Company. Plumbers who care. And your fitness, your body, your choice, your time, your fitness. Couldn't have been a more incredible start to the finals in terms of what was happening off the court and then once the game started. So I'll quickly run through the four games that we've seen so far and then we'll touch on the shenanigans and then we can dive into the games in a bit more depth. So it all started Friday night, RAC Arena in Perth. And boy, the Cairns Taipans played well. I thought they did so many things right. But the one thing that's hurt them all season, and we've talked about it every week on the show, was the turnovers. So a 14, 14 turnover difference between the two teams in the game. Bryce Cotton's 42 points was a difference as well. And it went to overtime. The Taipans just, you know, sitting, sitting there watching the game in person, the Taipans threw everything at it. They did so much right, but ended up with a 108 to 107 loss. But then on Sunday, Back in Cairns, even after a slow start, I think the Wildcats led 11-5 after a few minutes. The Taipans dominated from there. Really impressive performance, really strong performance. Come away with the 85-74 victory and, and send it to a Game 3 back in Perth on Thursday night. But then on the other side of the fence, we saw Sydney Kings hosting Melbourne in Game 1 on, on Saturday. And Melbourne dominated that game for the first 34 minutes. They were... 16 points in front still with five minutes to go, and they found a way to lose. The Kings went on a 24-2 run to, to win that game, 86-80. to But Melbourne would have taken heart from the first 34 minutes, but then clearly they were hurt by what happened in the last five minutes. And and boy, did they make a statement on, on Monday night in Game 2. The most incredible performance you would ever see from a number four seed against a top seed and against a Sydney Kings team who we've lauded their depth all season. 
They've been on top of the ladder all season. But at one stage, Melbourne scored 38 straight points in that game. They went on to win 125 to 80. I think they led by 58 points at one stage during the game. It was just it was it just belies belief. If you didn't watch that game to see it firsthand, you wouldn't believe what actually happened. I don't think, in terms of drama and excitement and entertainment, you could have asked for any more than that from those first four games, Laos. Well, I mean, where, where do you start that first game in Perth uh, with Taipans? We we have put the number 13 turnovers is the goal or the benchmark uh, for a successful sort of season. That That's kind of the goal. 13 turnovers or under will give you a chance and be, you know, enough leeway to allow for a few mistakes. 17 is going to be too much. The last two games of the regular season, there was too much. 20, 20 turnovers, 17 turnovers. Yes, the games didn't matter, but part of those habits kind of have carried on to game one. The other thing that they, uh, the Taipans didn't do well was was concentrate on the rebound and just this the the behavior of boxing out footwork and concentrating on your player and all that sort of stuff that they sort of turn to look at the basket and watch the the ball go up the the wildcats are well drilled and they got themselves extra possessions and extra buckets so at the end of it at uh, one point win to the Wildcats in overtime, having three or four more turnovers than acceptable, giving up more rebounds than acceptable. I think this this Taipans team is worrying to the Wildcats. If Cotton has to go for 40, which he possibly will, again, and the Taipans tighten up those two very easy and achievable behaviors to correct, you know, bring the turnovers down by three or four, uh, and concentrate on box out. That's not a hard skill. That's just a concentration skill. Those two behaviors taken care of, and then, you know, that's a sort of eight to 10 point swing back to the Taipans way. And I, and I think they can do it. I mean, I, I think I think that Cotton will have a game. Tariko White's been quite all series. Nick Kay's been exceptional. Um, so he'll have, a, he'll have a ball game. But I'm not seeing too many other contributors come in consistently for the, the, the Wildcats. Now, there was a funky third quarter at home at, at, at the convention center on Sunday that both teams struggled to really you know, play well against each other's zone. And we got a, got real sort of funky and stagnant on both accounts. But I, I think that the Taipans ground out that one. And if I was to look at game three, I'd almost, I feel like Trev's just going to go, man, we're, we're either in trouble here. We need to junk this thing up and make it grindy. And they might just even do more, more of that zone. I mean, um, just to things really uncomfortable and awkward if there's nothing else to go to. You know, it's going to be an interesting game three. And I think it's, I think it'll be a tight contest, but it's, it's set the stage for, for an epic showdown in, in Perth against 13,000 fans, which I, I can't wait for. It's just going to be unbelievable. And, uh, I feel, I feel like there's, there's remnants of a 2010-2011 Taipans versus Crocs semi-final yep. uh, that mm-hmm. happened. We were down in Townsville. We lost very closely in overtime against the Trevor Gleeson run Croc. Um, we come back home a couple of days later and put them to the sword and Trevor rests his players, get ready for game three. You know, He's like, well, we'll take this back to our place. So he rested his players the, for a lot longer in that probably mid-third term. I think he sat them down and... You know, when we went back to, to Townsville Crocs, we were full of confidence from one, the narrow loss in the first game, the big win in the second one, and then we stormed home uh, to put ourselves, punch a ticket to the big dance. So, I mean, it's all going to come down to Taipan's really taking care of the ball and uh, making those adjustments. If, it, if the game does get grindy, uh, they're going to have to find answers. And there was 
you know, some pretty good combinations that worked well on the floor. Mike was tossing up between Cam Oliver and Nate Jowai together against that zone. Then he put in yeah. Deng to close the game against, you know, the Wildcats really trying to finish the, the contest sort of strong. So he's had some and, and had good contributions from both Deng and Nate. I mean, yep. Nate had some great numbers. So there's lots of different players uh, punching in and having that little bit of confidence boost knowing that they can contribute in the next round, in the next game so um that that sort of series is going to be very very interesting and i and i feel my gut feeling is that um the taipans have the edge based on you know they've got nothing all the pressure's going to be on the wildcats to finish it out i think you know they're going to be full of confidence and they've got nothing to lose they they got to throw everything at the wildcats and i think the pressure's going to be going to be huge for the wildcats i mean if you have a look at all five games that the two teams have played all season and i think you'd have to say that Kent is the better team but perth have got bryce cotton so that's the, that's where the, the well they got bryce cotton in. and they got they got playoff experience and that's yeah, sure. in those grindy games they know how to win those um, and trevor's got some tricks uh, up his sleeve that He's, he he reads games well and can you know when a play needs to be called he can sometimes go well that individual often falls asleep uh, so let's let's go straight at him with a quick give and go from a sideline um, you know that, you know he he reads the game like that well so so Trevor has tricks up his sleeve and he knows what he's going to straight away but as a team they play well in those grind out sort of uh, situations yeah. where things aren't aren't always easy flowing. That's why I feel like oh, maybe Trev just wants to junk it up. Like maybe he's like, I don't like when it's a fast-paced game and everyone's just just hitting hitting buckets. Like maybe we've just got to junk this thing up so it's that unpredictable for a new coach, Mike Kelly, to to really wrap his head around. But I mean, that's that's that one. There's the, the Sydney Melbourne. I got no answers <laughs> for you. I mean, a few rounds to go at the end of the regular season, Melbourne just didn't share the ball, play any mm-hmm. kind of team basketball. I'm just like, this is horrible watching. You know, and Sydney put them to the sore very comfortably. Um, there's a few rounds to go, but then you know, last couple of rounds of the regular season, they somehow pull it all together and get in a crazy deep groove within a matter of minutes. They they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in game one in mm-hmm. Sydney and copped the beating on social media from their fans and then they didn't like that. So they responded in the best possible way and yeah. restore the confidence of the masses. And will that carry into a win in game three? I mean, Boga doesn't look like he's healthy at all. Like, what are your thoughts no. on how, how's the Sydney Kings line? Who's... Casper normally is normally scoring twenty six a game, yet has a really quiet two games. Yep. No, you're right. I mean, it, it's fascinating to see that a team could dominate the regular season like the Kings did, and then for the first eighty minutes of the finals, for seventy five of them, they have looked very ordinary. They've looked haven't looked like a a playoff team at all, let alone a championship contending team. And if you have a look at look at some of the numbers across the two games, Andrew Bogut combined over the two games had three points and 12 rebounds, and that's combined over two games. And you compare that to what, what Sean Long did. And 12, 12 months ago, you remember the, the two of them were involved in a pretty heated public battle, talking about who was the best centre yeah. in the league when when Long was playing at the at the breakers. And over these two games, Long has put together 49 points and 21 rebounds. And that's and that's opposed to Andrew Bogut. And it's a Bogut who just looks completely unhealthy right now. He just doesn't have any mobility. But then... You also compare Mello Trimble and Casper Ware over these two games. Mello Trimble, he's put together 55 points and five assists over 
over the the first two semi-final games. And Casper Ware, the man who the Kings were lauding for pulling out of Melbourne to to try to help them win a championship. Yeah, his numbers look okay. He still had forty-one points, but he just can't shoot the ball right now. He's shooting efficiencies, the ball. Efficiencies, way down. Yeah, his efficiencies way down. He went zero for nine from three, even though they won game one, and three three for fourteen overall from the field. And then in in game two, he shot three of eight from the field, two of seven from from three. So the the two men that have been criticised all season from Melbourne has been Sean Long and Mello Trimble. They just haven't lived up to, I guess, what was expected of them coming into the season. They were supposed to be the two superstars to come in and, and make sure Melbourne was a title threat again. But you go through the last probably three weeks of the regular season when Melbourne turned things around. It was on the back of Trimble going to the bench and then delivering some huge numbers and Sean Long starting to get back to his dominant best. And and then last weekend in those two semifinal games, both of them were brilliant. So for all of the criticism they've copped, they're now delivering probably more than what we expected from them the start of the season. Well, I definitely, I mean, I really rate Sean Long and I've got, I had him mm. as my number one uh, NBL first team uh, alongside yep. uh, Cam Oliver at the four. It's I mean, I, right I, now. Yeah. Well, you know, Sean, Sean Long is young, he's athletic, he's all heck, immature, parties a lot, like, but can produce and is mm. all that off court stuff. We're not talking about that. I mean, this is about performance on the floor. Yep. And he certainly delivers because I just think he's, he's a super athlete and really handy guy. Does that run up and down all day and, you know, throw it down with the best of them. Um, and, and Mello Trimble's young and immature and, and yet to, I guess that's the, that's the main word I'm thinking here. Maturity for this Melbourne team has been based on those two people in, in leadership positions. One, Mello is a point guard and Sean Long being the 30 minutes big time center that he is, he's going to, mm. you know, shoulder a lot of the workload for Melbourne. So, you know, those two guys are going to be up and down based on their maturity and, and you know, haven't delivered consistently all season. So that's been a bit of a problem. But now, for you know, the talent that they've got, they've just suddenly clicked in. And I just, you can't predict, you know, that kind of um, thing based on what you've seen. Like, it's just a, an enigma, I think. Um, and one that could carry them, very well carry them through to the grand final and beyond to the promised land. Like, it, it's crazy potency. And I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, it's it's yeah. unbelievable to see how, how good they, they're going. And, you know, we've we got to sing their praises the way they're, they're able to perform and produce and uh, I'm sure Dean Vickham is like oh, I, got, I got no idea what's going on I just you know yeah. I'm, I'm trying to put him in positions <laughs> where they could be successful uh, and you know and he's a smart coach yeah. uh, but I don't know he, he's like oh, he's like hell I, I don't I'm trying everything I'm going to bring Trimble off the bench I'm going I'm to do everything so credit to him for just completely mixing it up throwing caution to the wind because uh, they, they've caught fire and um, now they're <laughs> game three I don't know that with a with a, with a wet sail, Melbourne could quite easily continue the fire. And the stars, it's the stars for Sydney that haven't turned up to to produce enough. And I think the bench has been doing their thing; that they've been solid. Um, but you you need your stars to produce. Yeah. To you know, I mean, thirty points off the bench is great, but I guess it doesn't mean anything if the stars aren't doing what they should be doing uh, no, and pro- no. producing. So. That's going to be the breakdown, and that's the the soul searching that they'll have to do. And if there is well, injuries, in that in that game on Monday, from their starters, they got zero points out of Bogut, six points out of Xavier Cooks, three points out of Kevin Lish, ten points out of Casper Warren, and Jay Sean Tate was the one who did play okay. He was he was eighteen points, so that's not going to get it done in a playoff game, is it? 
Well, let's hope if you're a Sydney fan, it's just a bad weekend. Like it's a yeah. bad couple of days and you go, man, we got to put that in the trash real quick. We got lucky in game one. We, we got back in but and scraped through. Uh, but let's put that weekend in the bin and mm. hopefully don't check our Twitter accounts for all the trolling <laughs> that's going on between Homicide yeah. and Bogut. And then, you know, he's got to block all that noise out and just go, hang on a minute, I better get back to, to NBA winning basketball, you know, like mm. like I know I can. So he's going to be certainly checking himself in the mirror and going, do we want this or do we? are we going to let another, possibly one of his last opportunities, yeah. you know, go by? Does he does he play next season? Does he take a backseat role? Does he, you know, what does he do? He's 36 or 35. You know, yeah. he's not getting any younger. So is the body breaking down? This is possibly the, the last chance to, to have a, a, a crack at, you know, NBL uh, championship. Yeah, it's a great point because you would think if he, as ba- as much as he's struggling physically right now, if his body can't get more healthy this time next year or or in time for the start of next season, I I seriously think that this might be his last season if his body doesn't ha- have the potential to improve. If he's if he has the ability to get healthier than he looks right now, then I think he probably plays on next year. But again, I guess that's a question only he knows the answer to. This episode of the Pikey and Lau Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Staten's Plumbing Company, plumbers who care. And your fitness, your body, your choice, your time, your fitness. But you mentioned Twitter just before, Lau's. Oh, nice yeah. segue. We'll come back to both of these game threes and get your thoughts later. But what a what a day Friday was. We were preparing. What? We were preparing for the Taipans and the Wildcats to take part in Game One of the semi-final series, and we thought that was a big enough day. But then the Adelaide Thirty Sixers captain Kevin White decided to air all of the dirty laundry from the club and what Joey Wright had stirred up his coach during the season. It was on the back of Joey coming out a couple of days earlier after having secured his release from the club and getting a getting a payout from his last two years of his contract. Joey clearly had a huge falling out throughout the season with his imports, Ramon Moore, Jerome Randall and Eric Griffin, also Harry Frolingen, and he made no secret of what he thought of the efforts of those four guys during the season. Kevin White clearly didn't like his teammates being thrown under the bus like that. Um, my understanding is without breaking confidence, I've got to be careful where the line is there, but... He had already gone to the management of the club, got no response. That speaks a lot about probably a lot of things to do with the 36ers organisation, but that's another story for another day. But Kevin White just unleashed and and showed the world what he thought of Joey Wright and some of the things that Joey Wright had said about the players. And, And to me, the thing that stood out in the end more than anything was the way Ramon Moore was treated, who was going through some pretty tough mental problems. And then he was forced to sit out the rest of the season and pretend he was injured when there was nothing wrong with him physically at all. So that's that's probably the thing that above all else is going to come out. It'll be fascinating to see how that's dealt with from an NBL and NBL Players Association point of view. First of all, Lars, you were a renowned leader of your club and a culture setter at every club you played at, a really strong leader. You would hold your teammates to account if they would do anything wrong, but you would also want them to act in the right way. What was your reaction when you saw this blow up on Friday and a few days to think about it since. What's your what's your reactions when you look back on it? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, this is what we're we're hearing. Obviously, these these accounts and they're they're coming through. They're not confirmed yeah. or anything like that. But I mean, this is our best 
you know, resource of, of sort of what we're hearing. It, it's reckless. It, it's really reckless. And with, with, with social media so accessible and, and easy to just unload and press send and go, right, that's it. I'm going to take on the world. Like it, it's really dangerous. And I, I don't like it one bit. And whenever you go into a, a new team or any, any team, the, the standard is we've got to protect um, our club and our team, our players, our, our inner circle from the outside public sort of um, world because, you know, we, we've, we've got to establish trust. We've got to establish, you know, rapport. And, and one of the first rules you set is you're not going to bag each other out publicly in the media. And so, you know, you, you don't, you, every team has their quarrels, every team has their ups and downs and their fights. I mean, you want fights because then you quickly get to the bottom of what's really going on. You're not stewing on it. Um, but that's not for airing the dirty laundry as you're, you know, as, as Kevin has done. The, the woe is me story is, is something that, you know, people just, after a said, while they, they don't really, they don't really care. Like they do care for the players. Like, yes, they do. But but at the end of it, you, people move on and people don't really, you know, he he's totally. I feel he's totally purged his own career and and thrown Joey Wright's career uh, into jeopardy as well. And I just think it could be handled a lot better. So I mean, take this for example: if if there was you know the genuine concern and the right methods were taken and the club was able to use it as a, a thing for Joey to get better or or, or actually develop and change or whatever that 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 whole opportunity is lost based on the way it's been now publicly put in the in the in the, in the media like joey's not gonna take this on board and and you know mm. grow from this like no. that that's not that's no way he's gonna uh totally you know react the way he has i mean there's no opportunity for growth for joey in this situation he, okay. you know if if it is the case and it's it's something that's you know, he he's a fiery guy. I, you know, Joey's a good coach and he's a fiery personality. Um, he, he does things and react to evoke an emotion out of the players. And it's happened, um, you know, he'll evoke emotion out of his 2006-7 Brisbane Championship yep. team, you know. Like there's, there's players there, you know, he'll go at players and, and they'll respond and then and then they move on. Like that's, that's how it's done old school. And a lot of the new players come through and it's a big thing in the States, players transferring because it's too hard. It's just mm-hmm. too hard. I don't like coach. I'm going to transfer and quit. And then all these stories are coming out. Players, we're teaching our players to quit, parents. Why aren't we teaching them to go through the hard times and actually learn how to handle a tough situation? Because guess what's happening in the real world? Bosses don't care for, for employees all the time. You're going to come up in jobs where the boss doesn't give a rat's about who you are, they just want the performance. So, and that's going to happen in the real world. And I just think that Kev's totally exposed himself to uh, just doing things in a very unprofessional manner. Mm. And it, and it's it should be, you know, this this will set a totally new precedent on the social media uh, rules and regulations from the Players Association. And they should jump all over it and demand better from all the players and use it as an example. And it's just a whole, it's very reckless and it's thrown two careers under the bus. You know, he's a yeah. one Google search away from, you know, any boss that, where he goes and gets, tries to get employment and they search his name, it's going to be, well, he's done this reckless act. And 
you know, I, I don't think it's through the right channels at all. And it certainly didn't provide any opportunity for the situation to uh, benefit Joey as a coach or, or grow as a yeah. person or anything like that. So, yeah, it's a, it's a no from me and it's a no from quite a few players that have that have it's caught everyone's attention mm. and i just yeah there's a lot more mature way to approach this um and it's certainly not keyboard warrior style throwing it out into twitter land or or social media space with the ease that it was done so i mean i know he's stewing i know he's hurting from the way he was treated i, I get it like you treated bad but everyone's going to have a tough situation in some regard in some way of life you know and it's how you deal with it uh, and if you don't like the situation yes you can move on but in terms of involving the, the public and and you know and this isn't the first time by the way i mean this is mark worthington had a go uh, at some players uh, on on the nbl and only weeks before that had had waved the depression card and Kevin White yeah, that's right. Kevin White piped up on social media and he was like oh okay uh, were though I thought you just a few weeks ago you were saying you know there was a, a bit of depression there now you have it a go at players and and yep. challenging them like I don't understand and so he he had a go back then you know on social media and and I feel like that was a bit of a um set the tone or set the stage for you know his confidence in being able in sort of doing that, and I don't. It's a bit sort of a, a prelude, I guess, to what he's done now. He's gone ahead and do it again, and he and he's also waved the the depression sort of flag as well. So depression is a serious thing, and I'm not saying it, it's not. And mm. player welfare and everything is huge, but the way that this has been aired and the enormity of it all is not the right process. And uh, it's reckless, and it, and I don't think it served anyone any good, and certainly no one's going to grow from it. No. Now we could do a whole show easily about this topic, Lars. It's a, it's a big topic, and there's plenty to dissect. I want to just throw a couple of quick questions at you about it, and then we will move on. But to me, I don't know if any of this ends up getting to the point that it does now. If the if the thirty sixes club had somebody like Jodie Maguire or, you know, or a club psychologist inside the club that can help deal with these situations as they arrive, especially what happened with Ramon Moore. If Ramon goes to someone like Jodie instead of Joey, then I think his situation gets sorted a lot quicker. Do you agree with that? Do you think somebody like a Jodie Maguire could have helped this as the season unfolded? Jodie's very, very talented and, and uh, is not afraid to go at strong-headed individuals like, you know, Joey. Joey's very strong-headed and, and old school, like I've, like I've mentioned. And um, sometimes it is there are tough nuts to crack uh, and get through to. But, um, I mean, someone with Jody's skill set, I, I wouldn't have any doubts that situation would have played out differently. Mm. Um, but not, not every team has the luxury of that. But, yeah, I think this yeah, certainly certainly could go on for <laughs> a, a whole episode on <laughs> on yeah. how to, you know, the, the do's and don'ts. But uh, the obvious one, I guess, for me is just, you know, it's not for public consumption. Yes, I could see... You know, obviously Kevin's getting frustrated and, and, you know, he stands up for his teammates, but there's got to be a better way to, to handle all that. What, what would have you done? If you were the captain of your club and your coach had just, well, your coach is not going to be coaching next year, but he's on the way out. He's just just had a real crack at or half of your teammates. What would, what would have you done as captain? Would have you let it go? Would have you, uh, would have you gone public in a different way? Would have you not gone public at all? What would have you done in the same situation? 
Well, my answer is probably not for public consumption either. I think, you know, professionally, um, you've, you've just got to handle in-house and you've got to, um, you know, obviously give the support to your teammates as best you can and, and go through the right channels. And what um, if you do go in-house and then you get shut down? What, what happens then? Well, I think if you find it's an unhealthy situation and there's no support anywhere and you don't feel supported, then you've got to, you've got to leave. Okay. You, you've you've just got to move. You've got to move on, and um, you know you can only offer support where you can. And um, you know, I just I, I see this is a brand. Every player is their own brand, yep. and I would be protective of my brand and not let something like this seem so reckless and tarnish your brand for the rest of your career. You know, you're going to have. You know, I had a I had a tough coach in in Spain, and I I didn't handle it. Well, and he, he was, you know, very aggressive, and you know, I, I didn't, and I didn't know how to handle it, and you know, he'd go off, he'd go absolutely off, and a good thing I didn't understand all the, the words he was <laughs> saying, but I could tell when he was angry. Um, you know, other players were were similar, but it was just a temporary thing, and and you just go, look, I've I've just got to be in, more, in a more positive environment. But I will say this: in college, um, my coach fired two of his assistants who'd played in the NBA and mm-hmm. I had a choice to either stay or transfer out and I spoke with my you know my dad about it and we we're like all right well this isn't a great ideal situation uh, what are we going to do well if we stay we're going to we're going to make it work we're going to do whatever it takes uh, to actually uh, make it work and and fit and find a way and we did that and so I stayed and we had a you know very successful college Career under the same coach that I'd started with, and yep. we we had we found success. It wasn't the way I thought we would find oh. success, but we found a way, and that's sort of when it I guess showed to me that you know there's a there's a way of working or navigating through the situation and working with uh, a strong-willed coach uh, to have some success. Um, so whatever sort of seems not like a great situation there's there's usually a decision that the individual has to make to go hey there's a there's a answer to this or there's a solution to this and um i'm determined to to find it not i'm determined to tell everyone how bad i'm being mm-hmm. treated um and that's that that's not a solution for, that's not yeah. a solution there that's just a you know blurting out and eventing that's just a vent yeah. You know, and it doesn't really help. You've got to be solution sort of focused, I think. Last one. Kevin White is still contracted to Adelaide for next season. Is there any way he sees out that contract? Uh, I think he's breached enough con- uh, enough of the contract for them to, to waive that season. Okay. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if um, there's, there's enough of that in there. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll wait and see. Now, the other thing that happened on Friday, the NBL tried to plan this nicely to try to have some good news to release leading into the finals. It didn't quite work thanks to everything that happened in Adelaide, but they announced that for the 2021-22 season, we'll have a new team in the NBL. They'll be based out of Tasmania. They'll be redeveloping the Derwent Entertainment Centre to make it up to, to bring it up to NBL standard to raise the, I guess, the quality of the building, but also raise the attendance that it can hold. Good news, good news for you. Mate, Tasmania is a is an awesome announcement. I I can't wait. Like they they needed a team down there. Well, I feel like needed representation down there in Tassie, and uh, a lot of good players coming from Tassie, as you would know. Yeah. Uh, a lot of players. Gibbo, Matty Knight was from Tassie. Um, you know, 
Mate, look, a lot of good players come from Tassie, as you know. Gibbo, uh, Matty Knight was from there, um, and even uh, Lucas Walker, of course. So, um, yeah, great great town to have a team in there now. And I think it's long overdue. Uh, mm-hmm. Good to have the Tassie Devils back. I mean, they were in there before, of course. Yep. And, um, you know, had, had a couple of really good seasons and some really good players come through there back in the day. And I think it's, I think it's good. Yes, they've got their competing uh, NBL1 clubs going at it. But if they, I guess, similar to... You know, Melbourne Tigers when they formed United, that this was to get rid of all the the, the infighting and all yeah. that. So it's great to have them people at Tassie rally behind one one team again, and I think it will work well in the NBL. I can't wait for for ten teams in, and I I wouldn't mind seeing more more regular season games that rather than just the twenty eight on the schedule. Wouldn't yeah. mind seeing um, just a few more in the regular season. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um... So th- th- that was the good news. And I know we got sidetracked a little bit there here on the Pikey and Loud Show, but I think both of those topics were, were well and truly worth discussing. So hopefully you're all stuck with us. But now let's get down to business, Loud. Thursday night, we've got two game threes of the semifinals to look forward to. The two winners go through to the grand final. Let's start with the Wildcats and the Taipans, obviously, because we're here to talk Taipans. Yeah, I mean, the, the Taipans have played twice in Perth this season and done really well first. During the regular season, they obviously had that record 23-point win. And, and everything they did last Friday night was was so impressive. If you have a look at some of the numbers, Cam Oliver, 19 points and 18 rebounds. Scott Machado, 31 points, 9 assists, 8 rebounds. DJ Newbel, 25 points. Wild guarding, obviously, Bryce Cotton. You have a look at the shooting percentages. They shot 61% from the field, 56% from three-point territory. They had 42 rebounds to 30. But what hurt was the possession game. So the Wildcats had 13 offensive rebounds. They only had three turnovers. The Taipans had 17 turnovers. And then Bryce Cotton had 42 points, which obviously makes a huge difference in the final result. Now, everything that went wrong on Friday night, which was only the possession game really, and Bryce Cotton, they turned around on on Sunday in, in Cairns. So they had less turnovers than the Wildcats did. They held Bryce Cotton to only two shots in the entire first half, and he was scoreless at half time. And of course, obviously, we saw Cam Oliver have another another outstanding standing game. He had he had another twenty two points and nineteen rebounds, and he got plenty of help. DJ Newbel sixteen points while doing the job on Bryce Cotton with help from Jared Kenny, and also the bigs were stepping up to to I guess put pressure on him anytime he catched the ball. Machado another good game. Majuk Deng stepped up, had a had a really good game. Nate Jawai was fantastic. He the Wildcats had no answers for him when he catch the ball down low. Um, so really, over the first eighty minutes of this series, the Taipans have clearly been the better team in so many areas. I've probably spoken for too long there, so it's time for you to speak, Lars. What do you think will happen in Game Three? I think uh, I think it's going to be a low scoring game, and mm-hmm. I think um, I feel like the Taipans are going to win this one by three. But it's going to be both scores are going to be under eighty. I just think that this is going to be an absolute arm wrestle, it's full of sort of twists and turns, and then there'll be grindy moments and junked, uh, junked up moments of, you know, the stuff that we just go, man, this is stagnant, that nothing's happening. I just feel like this is going to be one of those games where it's just going to be just unbelievable to, to watch and edge edge of your seat stuff. I'm I'm going type ends by three in regular time, uh, and I'm going to go that they will be uh, below a score of eighty. Uh, so it's going to be going to be such a tight tussle, but Taipans are going to uh, be punching a ticket to the grand final. How do they make that happen? What do they have to do right to make sure they do get that result? Well, they've got to look after the ball. I, I think Cotton's going to go for his 
40 and mm. he'll be amazing. Uh, I think Nick Kay will, will be solid as well. Uh, but I just haven't seen enough consistency from the Wildcats, other players. Um, Steinle had a purple patch for game two. You know, maybe he steps up for sort of 12, 12 or 16. But, yeah. you know, are we are we long overdue for a little Jarek blash of magic and a bit of a purple no, patch sure that just that just puts the game into a different sort of frame of mind? He's been bubbling away under the surface, you know, without too many uh, looks at the basket. I think if he if he's able to connect on a few, I think that the, there will be a huge momentum shift. But um, look, I think the the type ends just have to go after the ball. That, that's that's number one. Look after the ball and just concentrate to limit those extra possessions. Those you know those rebounds that that you get, and then Damian Martin comes from underneath and just yep. swipes the ball and takes it away. Like they got to concentrate. They got to know that that's coming and stop all those extra possessions that that just sort of leak out points for the the Wildcats. So um, they'll be on it. They'll be taking care of business. It's going to be physical. It's going to be grindy going to be edgy your seat stuff i'm pretty excited about it yeah, uh, I, I hope they can i hope they can punch a ticket to the grand final because if the situation plays out and melbourne do win then it's obviously the higher seed and two um sorry three grand three, final yeah. three um you know home games that the the taipans would just absolutely uh love the chance of having so interesting just the the enormity of the melbourne sydney result mm could actually mean um, type ends in third position actually secure that home court advantage yeah. of a grand final. But they've got to get there first. I get that. Um, but it's, it's salivating just thinking about it. That's a possibility. Well, by the time the game starts on Thursday, we'll know if it's Melbourne or Sydney already into the grand final. Is, there, yeah. do you, is it possible for the Kings to turn around you know, two really poor performances and win game three? Or is, is Melbourne... Is Melbourne just got too much momentum to to stop right now? Well, I feel like Sydney can come up a notch, mm. but it would have to be Melbourne really having a bad shooting day to yep. not get this one done. So just their youth and enthusiasm and on a roll type of thing, like they're in such a deep groove and, and full of confidence. It's almost just uh, the residual uh, fire that they've, team fire that they've got is going to, uh, be tough to handle for the Kings, but you know the Kings have to. They have to step up. I mean, this is you know do or die for everyone. But yeah. they they've worked too hard. But maybe have they been peaking during the season as a as a unit? Everyone being so solid, and have they just are they coming down from that peak? And is is Melbourne just suddenly peaking at almost too late a time, but perfect time? You know, I think Melbourne's going to actually cause a lot of trouble here. This episode of the Pikey and Lowes Show proudly brought to you by Cairns Total Physio. Less pain, more life. Staten's Plumbing Company, plumbers who care. And your fitness, your body, your choice, your time, your fitness. Yeah, I can't see how how Melbourne doesn't win after the way the first two games have gone. To be honest, it would take the most incredible of turnarounds and if Sydney does end up losing it, it almost goes down as one of the great chokes after being on top of the ladder for the whole season. So it's going to be a massive Thursday night, and this is this is what we live for. This is this is what we've been building towards all season on the Pikey and Lau show. Two game three to to determine the grand finalists for 
2020 to come on Thursday night. I hope you all enjoyed talking Taipan for another week. Laos, what can you leave us with? I'm, I'm still I'm still thinking about that Sydney that Sydney Melbourne game. To be honest, like if I could just, if I may, Pikey, um, obviously Casper's got potential to uh, unload and have a totally different game. Bogut, I feel like is going to struggle to really come up to the table where he needs to be. So they're going to have to really rely on almost going small ball and just loading up on the the big performers, Jay Sean Tate, even even um, Diddy Lazada. If those guys have those breakout games, I'm still not sure who's actually going to win this one. You're saying Melbourne's going to win? Can I just no, I confirm think so. that? I, I think so. I think my 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 head says that Melbourne uh, are going to continue on. My heart seems to think that the collective effort of the Kings that have been so deep on the bench and they, they've got to realise that Maybe they they're just going to have to get it done by committee without without Bogut sort of being an impact. Mm. Uh, well, they're going to have to get it done. If I'm going to go one way here, I'm going to say that Sydney are actually going to get this one at home off a brilliant Casper performance, knowing that Melbourne are actually going to come up with full on, at full tilt. But I'm actually going to go Sydney here in game three. So that'll be my finish. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go a Taipans Sydney Kings. Grand final. Uh, I'm not confident of the Sydney Melbourne game, but I am going to say Sydney. Uh, but I do think the Taipans are going to be um, coming home with a wet sail against the Wildcats. And it's going to be an absolute cracker, and I cannot wait for Thursday night.